Good morning, church family. I'm going to be reading a passage here, and it's Luke 17, if you'd like to read along with me, Luke 17, 11 through 19. Um, I'll be reading through the New King James Version. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. He then entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Oh, good morning. How sweet to hear that sound. And uh, impressed with the singing this morning. You know, it's just not easy to sing into an iPad, is it? Um, Looking at words on a screen. and I remember the days when my wife and I would sit in a big chair and we'd sing into the iPad. Uh, this is going to be it's going to be a memory I'll never forget. But it's it's great to see you. A lot a lot of people. I was telling somebody earlier I haven't seen in months because of just the way things have been, and we've been coming to the early service. So, but I am so glad glad to be here. I am thankful uh, that um, our brother would be willing to read for us this morning which is a blessing to you, I guarantee you. Um, one, of the, <clears throat> one of the things I remember a few years back, I started listening to a preacher um, that I, I, I liked his preaching, but one of the things that he was accustomed to do during their service was to have one of the laymen come and read the text, and then, then he would preach on it. And I didn't really like that idea. I, I liked reading it and, you know, and, and preaching on it myself. And, um, and little did I know that I was going to be struggling to be able to see, uh, to even read. So some of you know, I, I started having some difficulty a couple years ago and uh, I, would, I didn't know what was going on, but I would read the text. I'd get to the end of the line and I'd look for the next line, and it just would move on me. It would go somewhere. I don't know where it went, but uh, I'm searching around looking for it. and So all of that uh, all boils down to having double vision, which I I didn't know I was going to have. And it's been a a game changer for me. And so when I bring the mail in, I give it to Vana and just let her read it to me because I I just, just have trouble, especially with something that's small, but um, so, so when Pastor Chad, actually Pastor Chad was very nice to me. He asked me a, a couple of times to preach 
that I like to preach, and I, I, I'm kind of scared. You're going to make me cry. Just it's it, it was it was you know I, just hard to think about doing it, and um, and then uh, he asked me again, and I had gotten a message out of the Old Testament that just in my quiet time it just came out of there, and I just wow I got to tell somebody I got to preach that he asked me to preach. Somebody can't. But that was weeks ago. And they canceled the service. So here we are. They're on vacation. And he was kind enough to ask again. And, uh, and so I, I want to share a message with you um, that actually kind of comes out of a, a morning with God in the Word. Uh, I was reading and I was uh, thinking about just the circumstances of life. And I wondered if the Bible said anything about social distancing. So I just sort of pondered a while. And pretty soon I thought of this story. I thought of actually two or three stories. But this one I was, you know, I was a little more familiar with it. And I thought, well, let me read it. And I was so gripped by it that it start, I started asking questions. And it, and it wasn't the subject of social distancing, after all, that caught my, my, my spiritual eyes. It was, it was what God was trying to say in, in the responses of some people that were having pain. You know, there's... A lot of different kinds of pain in the world. Physical pain for sure, and some of you may be experiencing that right now. But there's, there's emotional pain. There's circumstantial pain. In other words, something's happened in your life that you weren't expecting. Maybe it has to do with the future. I've got this big dream, got these big desires, and they're gone. A lot of different kinds of pain. And this, in a way, this is a story about pain. The physical pain as well. But I think it's one that every single one of us can identify with. I, I underlined some, some phrases, words that were important for me to to bring to your attention. So let me do that in this message. The first phrase is, is this. Simple words, which stood afar off. So as Troy was reading the passage, the, uh, the story is about these men who had leprosy, they had heard that Jesus was coming. Scripture says they met Him. That doesn't mean they walked up and shook hands with Him. But they face to face at least, not six feet, maybe 60 feet. And followed the letter of the law about how they are to approach people as lepers. Jesus 
told them to go to the priest. And as they went, as was read, they were healed. And as a result of that, one of them came back to Jesus to give him thanks. But nine of them did not. And Jesus raised that issue. He already knew the answers, but he asked some questions. And, and I think these are, these are something we really, we really do need to consider. Now here are these guys, and there are ten of them. They have leprosy. And the Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus, the Mosaic law that came to Moses from God, what you're to do about this dreaded disease if you should get it. Leprosy. It's kind of interesting. Uh, six feet wasn't going to do it. When you encountered a group of people or a person and you were a leper, you were to cry out these two words, unclean, unclean. That was the law. You were to make people know that you were there. That's all you had to say and people would begin to scatter. You were also supposed to um, tear, your, tear your clothing a little bit, dishevel your hair. You were to make it known that you were a leper. But that's not, that's not all the pain that they experienced. This phrase, they stood afar off, is sort of representative of their lives. They had to stand far away from all the other things in life that were enjoyable, that were fun to do, that were family-related that were business-related. I mean, they were quarantined. And it was a horrible life. It was a miserable life physically because it was extremely painful to parts of the body and painless to other parts of the body. Here's what I mean by that. When, when you had leprosy, it usually started small with a discoloration of skin patch of skin somewhere and you watched it and as it grew it became more and more invasive in your life it began to affect the fingers and the flesh in between the fingers and the, the toes and just base, basically become corrupted and and wear away and that was that was very painful however almost mercifully the extremities lost their sensory uh, ability over time so that they could not feel at all with their hands or feet. And the problem with that is that caused them to be subject to accidents that you know, we would be aware of. If you put your hand on a hot plate somewhere and you would know immediately <clears throat> that's not comfortable. And remove your hand. But not, not the lepers. Because they lost that ability. It would often damage the other parts of their body. Just because they could not feel. And then it would just encroach upon the, the other organs of the body. And usually would end in a very 
painful, pitiful death. So pain physically, but I, I guess I never really appreciated or understood the pain of these ten individuals who stood together in a cluster. The only people you could be with were people like you that had leprosy. And so you made your life which very uh, devastating in every respect. You couldn't get a job. You couldn't go anywhere, be with anybody else. You were cast out of the home. You were cast out by your family. They had to. They had to abandon you and let you go lest you infect everyone else. And so it was a, a tragic thing for them emotionally. You know, we're made to be with people. We're made to love one another. I, it makes me think about how I've just missed giving people hugs. Uh, you know, just, just that little, you know, sign of affection and uh, that's, that's important. But, but these guys stood afar. Pain. And maybe before I go any further, I, I should just invite you into this discussion. What is your pain, by the way? I believe everybody has it. Not, not physically, perhaps, but you've got something that's happened to you that has caused disappointment, discouragement. I, I've had that with my, with, with my eyesight. I had, I had some plans. I like to go fishing. It's really, really hard to tie a lure on in a little knot. I, I, I like to build things. I, I like, I probably got a half a dozen tape measures, but I can't read them. They have these little marks and I can see them, but they, they just sort of move around. And it, and it, you know, it's been a frustration. That's a good word discouragement, for questions, frustration. That's just, that's just one of my pains. And you got a bunch yourself, I bet you. Some of them probably go back a long, long way. Some of you maybe came from a difficult family situation. You had some pain. Somebody abandoned you. Somebody was unfaithful to you. Somebody hurt you. Happens all the time. So from just disappointments of life, which we all have, to troubles like losing your job during a nationwide or international virus, losing your business, think of how many people's lives were just suddenly wrenched away from its regularity to, to extremely difficult. Well, what have you been facing lately? Here's one way you can tell if it's painful to you, you begin to complain about it. I, per, I for one, don't think it's wrong to, to, to give, uh, we'll, we'll call it a, a mild complaint. Because you want other people to know how to pray for you, right? 
you want other people to know uh, that, it's, that it's bothering you, it's hurting you, it's troubling you. And that's, that's pretty normal. But it doesn't stop with that. It, it moves on a little bit. I'm going to come to that in just a moment. But I want to I want to share with you another phrase here. Jesus, in response to their request, saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. He knew what they meant. He could tell from a distance what their problem was. And He spoke to them, saying, go, show. Those two words. Go, show. They were to go, to the priest. And they were to show the priest their bodies. And according to Leviticus, where all these laws were given, the priest was responsible for determining whether or not their problem was solved yet. And so, uh, they were going to do something that might possibly help them. I think one of the things that probably put a little bit of faith in their heart was not not too much before this, Jesus had been confronted by a man who had leprosy. He was by himself and Jesus healed him. It was a miracle. And that kind of thing spread. (laughs) The word spread that this man was healed. Got around. Here, now these men are like they're, they're meeting Him. They, they, they came for the purpose of finding this man Jesus and asking for healing. And Jesus said, go, show yourselves to the priest. But nothing had happened. <laughs> you know, don't you... Don't you know they probably thought he would maybe wave his hands and pray for them, you know, hocus pocus or something, whatever he does. But he didn't do anything and nothing's happened and he wants us to go show ourselves to the priest. But they did it. Enough faith to believe that maybe Jesus could heal them. When they went, as they were going, while they were walking, wondering how the priest was going to receive them in this condition, their bodies began to change until the leprosy was gone. Wow. That that must have been very, very exciting. Can you imagine how this opened up the whole world for them now? So, one of these men was so grateful for what had just happened to him that he decided to to go back to Jesus and give him thanks. I think I've probably preached on this passage two or three times in my life. Always kind of thought of it as a Thanksgiving, good Thanksgiving message as we're trying to teach our children to be thankful for their country and thankful for you know all the blessings that we have and the turkey and 
you know, we want, we want to be thankful people. And that's really kind of the gist of what I used to think about it. But there's something deeper going on here. Because this, this man, his heart was in such a condition that he wanted to go back quite sure that this man Jesus was an unusual person, someone he ought to pay attention to, someone he, he should get to know more about. And he found himself so excited when he got there that the Bible says he fell on his face before Jesus and began to give praise to Him. And the word, the word that is used is the word glorified. He turned back and with a loud voice, He glorified God. To glorify God means that whatever's going on with you, you are pointing people to this great God that we have. His power, His love, His justice, whatever it is, glorifying the truth about this one true God that we know exists. He didn't know a whole lot. But something in His heart told Him to give thanks to Jesus. I want to, I want to tell you something. Whatever your pain is, whatever problem is that you've got in front of you right now, or something you've been dragging along for years, the secret that I want you to hear today is that of giving thanks. To give the offering of thanks to God in the midst of it. So that's what this guy did. Probably not understanding all, all what he was doing. But one of the things when he got up off of his knees that Jesus said, weren't there ten men? He knew the answer to that. And then he said, where are the nine? It didn't ruin his day, but he wanted to make a point. Where and how come and why did these nine not come back and do the same thing? That's the question. Now, let me tell you how I think when we experience difficulty, depending on the the measure of it. We go through the series, I think, first of all, of, of complaint. We, we're made aware. Maybe it's immediately we heard uh, or, or we, or we uh, hear some news. Sorry, your job's over. Um, we're repossessing something. Uh, you can't go on that trip. It, whatever the disappointment is you complain about it, but the longer it goes along, the, the more that complaint turns into the internal feeling of resentment. I resent that this is happening to me. Now that becomes a heart issue. 
resenting the circumstances of life. It happens to everyone. But if it lasts long enough, and if it's severe enough, I'm sure some of you have experienced this, that resentment turns into bitterness. You become a bitter person. And and you may be the kind of person that expresses that a lot. Or you may be the kind of person that hides it down inside of you, but it's there. Your bitterness, when it's expressed, is usually not expressed to God. You don't usually have a prayer meeting and think, okay, I'm going I'm to talk to God and I'm going to tell Him how mad I am at Him. And he can actually take that, by the way. But we don't usually do that. This bitterness swirls around inside of our heart and then it comes out and we make other people pay for it. They see it on our face. They see it on the way that we act or we we treat others. It's there. And we try to hide it. and We try try to minimize our bad acting. But it's such a deep feeling. It it, it bubbles out. And, and if you want to put a word on what this all becomes, or maybe what it all comes from, is the word pride. Not just embarrassment about what's happening to you, but pride. Pride is something the Bible clearly says that God hates. Because pride, in in all of its many forms, really boils down to this. I want to be the master of my life. And if somebody else is going to interrupt that, I'm going to throw fit. I'm going to be mad. But in this case, it's God that's throwing it in there. It's God that's creating this circumstance. I'm going to give you some verses in a moment to show that to you. But I think most of you, I I know most of you, that your, your doctrine, you have an understanding that God is a sovereign God. There is no God besides Him. He's the only one. But there's a lot of idols. We have a lot of idols. We have a lot of things we worship, a lot of things that we look to for things of life. But nothing happens to us outside of the will, and if you want to call it the permissive will of God. Like what God did with, uh, with Job. You know, Job was having a great time. God was, they were buddies. Job and God. They enjoyed this relationship. And Satan came along and said, hey, that's not fair because you're putting this, you're putting this boundary around him and you won't let me get to him. But I guarantee you, you take that away and he's not going to be so happy about you. And then God was willing to take that challenge on. Because he knew in the end it was going to bring glory to himself. And the way this the way this kind of played out is you know he lost all his stuff. Lost his home and he lost his business. He lost all his animals. He lost his children. 
lost his health. He was used to living on top and now he's on the bottom. And in his initial response, I think in the first chapter or two, his, his wife doesn't speak very kindly to him and says, why don't you just die, you know? And his response was something like this. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that sound good? It was true, but he wasn't going to feel that for long. Because it was one of those that just keeps on hurting. And the longer that he hurt, the more he wore down to his real self. And his real self was he began to complain to God and his friends that were trying to help him see that there must be sin in his life. No, there's not. And it just didn't, it didn't appear to him until he had this conversation with God towards the end, trying to tell God that he was wrong. And God said to Job, Shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? Contend, contest. Something's going on between Job and God. Yeah, Job is fighting God. Job is trying to get God to take the pressure off. But when God said that, call it grace, the grace of God came into his life and Job repented. He saw through all of his pain, that God had allowed that for some reason. And you know, the the story just ends so well. But this is what what we are doing when, when we are angry at God. We are contending with the Almighty. We're trying to tell Him, all I want is good stuff, I want you to take the bad stuff away. I want you to take away the pain. God answers prayer, but He's also in the business of changing our lives and working on us through all of this. So let me tell you about these these guys. The pride that they had in, in their heart. Finally, Finally, somebody has fixed our problem. These nine guys. Somebody has fixed... Are they happy? Yes! I am so glad it's over. But instead of going and giving glory to God and recognizing who Jesus was, they went off to their family somewhere. Maybe to give them a piece of their mind. Huh? You didn't treat me very good when I needed you. I mean, they, they had, maybe they had old friends that they reconnected with. Maybe they met at a bar. I mean, this is a time to rejoice and be happy. It's over. But there was something that they did not get that this one man who came back got. It's in the last 
It's in the last verse. And he said unto him, Jesus to the, to the man who came, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. This man was not only healed physically, but his life was made whole. Like the word holistic. I mean, God did something in his heart and life. That washed away the bitterness. I believe he had to have gotten there too. I, I'm sure he, he complained. I'm sure he got resentment. I'm sure he, he, he got bitter about this. But the Lord healed everything. And he understood who Jesus was. If you want to walk with God, and I believe you do, I want to tell you, I want to tell you something that I've discovered. It, that, that I, don't, I don't remember when this came to me, but it's, it's, it's the Word of God that when, when I realize that I'm struggling with a pain, with a problem, with a painful experience, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know how to respond. Where do I go? What do I do, Lord? One day it just seemed like God said, give thanks. Give thanks? I'd be glad to give thanks if you take it away. Give thanks. And there's something healing about that. There's something that's, that means you're full of faith when you're willing to say thank you to God while you still have your issues in life. Pride will get you nowhere. But a humble heart that realizes that you have a sovereign God and you have enough faith because of the Word of God in your life that you, you don't feel it, but you know God says He loves you. You ever felt that way? You, you don't feel that God loves you. But the Bible tells you He does. What are you going to believe? Your feelings? And follow them the rest of your life? Or the words that God speaks to you? I want I want to share with you uh, bring this bring this to a close. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you four verses of scripture. I'll give you the the address and let you look them up. But I'm gonna give the, these to you because I think these capture. I, I call these my dynamite. This this just kind of blows it out of the water for me. It 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 takes away it takes away the the fear, it takes away the angst. It, it, it brings peace and rest. Even if no circumstances have changed yet. Number one, 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Can it be more plain than that? In everything give thanks. Now it doesn't say for everything give thanks. I think sometimes we do. We thank God for things. Thank you for the food that we eat. But we find it a little bit difficult to say, thank you, Lord, that that guy was murdered. That doesn't seem right. So that's, that's not the way it's worded. In everything, in the midst of everything that's going on that hurts you, that you're struggling with, give thanks then because this is the will of God. You don't have to go ask somebody, what should I do? Just point to this first. Read it and do it. Give thanks to God. Because that's His will. Number two, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. You know what that does for you? It gives you a reason. I mean, if things happen for no reason, if somebody's out there just saying, this is going to happen, and it makes no sense, it fits with nothing else, it's frustrating. But God's willing to say, let me tell you something, everything that happens to you happens for a reason. If He were speaking right now, He would say to us, what I'm doing is I'm mixing some blessings and good things that you enjoy with some things that are painful. And those things together work for your good. They work for your good. The end result is going to be good. Because God is... If we are some of those people that God has foreknown, He's already known about us before we were ever conceived. He already knows about our pain and the particular body that you're going to have and particular abilities you're going to have and things you're not going to have that other people have. He's going he's to know already who your parents are going to be even if they weren't the best parents in the world who your little brother was going to be. I mean, he knows all this stuff. And he's got it all planned in his purpose for you to become more and more like Jesus Christ. Number three, James 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, or I always said divers, but diversity of Temptations or testings. Count it all joy. What's the first thing you think of when you get bad news? Oh, this is great. That's the way you feel. Suddenly you're gripped with fear. The doctor's report. Suddenly you're confused. This isn't working out. Suddenly you're hurt. Somebody has said something about you. Somebody has abandoned you. Those Those are the first responses, we don't count it joy, but by faith, He's telling us 
to consider it. Go ahead and call it. Lord, you say this is joy. This sure is joy. And I'm going to wait for you to give me the feelings of joy whenever you're ready. But right now, this is a joy. This is your kind of joy because it has a purpose and it's moving me in life more and more in your direction. Who can understand the Almighty God and all the millions of ways that He works in millions of lives? What a God we have. In Hebrews verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 5 and 6, despise not the chastening of the Lord for whom the Lord loveth chastens. Actually, chastening, my kids, I don't think, appreciated this, but we weren't afraid to spank them. Didn't enjoy it, but we weren't afraid to spank them. And I don't know that they caught on at first that we loved them. You know, doesn't feel love. Is this love? And uh, so maybe it's a season of time before they understood and appreciated that taught me disobedience, going the wrong direction, making the wrong choice leads to pain. I'm all for it. But this is, this is about someone else doing the spanking. This is God chastening us. It's not punishment. This isn't judgment because you've messed up. And a lot of times we think it is, but God out of His love allows some of the mistakes that we make to fall apart, it just, it just, it just destroys something. It that devastates something, and and our plans don't work out. And there's pain, there's disappointment, there's hurt, and we we learn by that. Hopefully, we learn by that. These reproofs of life, that Proverbs calls it, are important. But you know what? If you spend your life despising them. You're despising the one that's sending them and arranging for them in your life. This is not easy. This takes faith and it takes the grace of God. But I'm going to ask you this morning to do that very thing. I'm going to ask you to act upon, as I was preaching, I'm trusting that some, some circumstance came to your life. Painful. Maybe nobody knows about it here. But it's something you've been dealing with for a long time. You, you, you may have been abused somehow as a, a young child and, or, or a teenager. And that has followed you. And that's never been healed. You may not be able to thank God for it. But if He allowed it, you can say, God, I thank You that right now this thing that's been on my, in my heart, in my life for so long, I thank You that You let me experience that for some purpose. Otherwise, you just walk down the road of bitterness all of your life. 
But if you, if you could thank Him, then, because that's an act of faith, God will begin to show you that there was purpose in it. And He actually does a healing on the inside. It's what makes you whole. That your whole life is not perfect on this side of heaven. But it's, it's a life that has meaning and joy. And you can love people like you were made to love them. And you can help people like God instructs you to. Let's close the service out with doing this. You've got a little bit of extra room, I think. I, you know, one of the advantages of having double vision is I know they tried to trick me. This is what I've been told. They took half the chairs out. I think they're all here and they're all, everyone's... This group of 500 people is just wonder, wonderful to have on a Sunday morning. You know, you've got a little room there that you might just kneel down on your, on your good knee and tell God maybe for the first time, God, I thank You that You've chosen me to walk this path. And I know that You could change it in a moment. When I was in seminary, we went to a Pentecostal type church one time and they had a healing service. I went up there. I've been dealing with poor eyesight and actually a disease in the eyes since sixth grade. God, I want you to do this. Nothing. Nothing happened. But I know this. When God's ready to turn that problem off, He can do it in a second. But until then, I thank Him. I thank Him for it. And, and that's so small compared to some of the problems you have. You might have some that are just unbelievable. But it works for all shapes and sizes. I wonder if you'd like to get down on your knees this morning and just in a time of prayer, just tell God, thank you. Thank you. Now I trust you. Would you do that now? Father God, you are a miraculous God. A miracle working God. And I know, I believe that it's, it's no problem for you to heal someone of some disease. You just speak the Word. You command the elements and it's done. And that brings you glory that you have that kind of oversight and power Lord, it seems to me that the thing that You're looking for to receive the maximum recognition and glory that You deserve is when You take a broken sinful heart and You 
make it whole. You put joy where there was bitterness. You put purpose where there was dread, nothing. Oh God, work miracles in this place. Work miracles in these dear people and bring glory to Yourself in Your Son Jesus' name.